they'll they'll step into the haircuts area where we've set up to do the haircuts and the manicures and so forth and you can tell everyone who's homeless not only because of how they look i mean some people obviously haven't had a haircut in a really long time and they look different and and their facial expressions are different their whole countenance is different right they'll come in they look depressed they look discouraged they look downtrodden and then uh, it's always so amazing we have people comment on this by the end as they kind of move through our different stations you start to not be able to tell who's homeless and who isn't wow um because not only do they physically look different but they uh emotionally they look different welcome to ununinformed i'm sean cv Each week, Ununinformed helps you in being connected to the world around you so you don't feel dumb around your smart friends. We're talking about a few ways people have empowered homeless people. One of those ways is giving homeless people haircuts. Joining me is Leslie Kawai, who teaches at Brigham Young University. She's a board member and gala events chair for CareCuts, which is an organization which has provided thousands of haircuts. For homeless people in Salt Lake City, Utah. Leslie Kawai, welcome to Un- Uninformed. Thank you, Sean. I'm so glad to be here with you and really, really glad that you're looking at these issues. Oh, yeah. And I, I'm super excited. This is our second homelessness episode. Uh, the other one was quite a hit. So um, people want to know about this stuff. So before we jump into uh, care cuts, let's talk about how you got here. Um, what made you want to start working with the homeless? That's a great question. And uh, about probably six or seven years ago, I was in Washington, D.C. And one of the things that I do is teach and work with international students who are here on an au pair visa. So they're visiting from other countries. And I teach a, a section on volunteerism. And then we'll take them through uh, community experiences here in the United States that help them to experience how Americans work together in our political and um, uh, economic environment to solve and address uh, community problems. As part of this effort, we were in a a homeless shelter uh, in Washington, D.C., which was in one of the poorest areas of the nation. I had probably 25 students there. I'd done this a number of different times, but this time was different, and we were... Uh, we were all standing in the kitchen and we were putting together trays of food to um, feed a whole line of people, men and women who were there. There weren't any children at this particular shelter. There were men and women. Um, and uh, I'll, I'll just never forget this because I often attribute uh, the reason that I commit so much of my personal time to the issue of homelessness uh, to one woman who was in line there. And we were taking trays kind of like your standard lunchroom tray and we were putting on them a piece of chicken and a scoop of mashed potatoes and a scoop of corn and we were kind of talking and trying to create a a happy environment uh, passing along these trays well pretty soon as the line grew longer we ran out of chicken and this was you know some donated food that some company or something had put together and so we started just putting on scoops of potatoes and scoops of corn onto these trays and pretty soon we ran out of mashed potatoes so all we could give were these scoops of corn and I remember um as we were starting to just now pass down scoops of corn the the reality of what was happening started to hit me that there were 
men and women who were hungry. And at that moment, all we could give them were these scoops of corn. Yeah. And I remember looking down sort of the end of the row, the end of the table, along our little line that we're distributing the food. And there standing at the end of this line was a woman who clearly looked hungry. And it was this moment that I connected with her eye to eye. Yeah. And in that moment, I I saw deep down into her bones cold and hunger in a way that I'd never seen before. And I'd traveled other places and I'd lived in other places. And at that moment, something inside of me changed. Yeah. And I knew that as she was gratefully taking this corn, uh, I had to do something more. And this was in DC. I lived in Utah at the time. Uh, you know, I'm a single mom. I was working a lot. I was prioritizing my family as I should and as I needed to. Uh, and I hadn't up until that point really been working with the homeless on sort of a consistent basis, but I came home and I thought I've got to do something more. And I called up uh, I live in Utah County. I called up our local food and care coalition. I'd never helped or volunteered there before. And I found that they had some opportunities to feed the homeless. Um, and, and I signed up to do that. But I also realized um, I wanted to do a little bit more in terms of helping them long term. And so I put together a, a job interview and coaching program. And I just, oh, yeah. I basically called and I talked to the director and I said, look, Here's what I do professionally. Here's what I teach at BYU, which is in part uh, job interviewing, resume writing skills. Is there something I could do to be of help? And she said, you know, we've got someone who's helping them with resumes, but they really could use somebody to help coach them on job interviewing. And so um, put together a program I could sort of help address some of the long-term needs and and issues. And and I also um, started putting around some feelers for how to help where are their needs in the short term. And I discovered a wonderful organization out of Salt Lake. We often call it our sister organization. It's called Soul Food USA, and uh, the director of that, now one of my very best friends, gets people together to feed the homeless once a month, uh, and I took my kids, and we started participating in that, and for the last about four years, we have gone and we've fed the homeless once a month in the Salt Lake area um, mm-hmm. with that program. So really it was that moment of connecting with that woman that something inside of me said, you know, I can give just, I can give a little something. There's got to be something I can do with my professional skill set to be able to help with the long term. And I wanted my children and and for myself to get involved uh, on a more regular basis, sort of with the short term needs. And uh, being involved with Care Cuts has been right in line with that that vision, right? Yeah, so. yeah, absolutely. So um, the the as I started to go and and feed the homeless once a month in Salt Lake, uh, I started meeting with people who were also involved in this effort. Um, and the the people that we feed uh, through the Soul Food Organization once a month are really the the poorest of the poor here in the state. They're downtown Salt Lake. About two-thirds of all homeless are found in Salt Lake County. And uh, those who are living on the streets tend to be really riddled with um, really big long-term issues, drug mm-hmm. addiction, mental health issues, and so forth. You know, while helping feed the homeless, uh, met just a great group of people who really care about collaborating to help um kind of solve these issues yeah. one of those became a good friend of mine his name is marco diaz and marco diaz has been on the show he was just uh, just about a month ago so uh so great yeah, he's a great guy. um and he had seen marco had seen a video 
of someone giving one homeless man a haircut and just watched the impact of that on this one person. And so uh, two years ago, he thought, I wonder if we could put something together to help create that here in Utah. He didn't see that it had been done. So he pulled together um, some of his friends uh, who cared about helping and working with the homeless. And uh, we set a goal to try to give that summer. We wanted to create an event where we could give 50 haircuts. That was our goal. Can we put something together, bring in barbers and beauticians and give 50 haircuts to help create that transformation? Yeah. Uh, well, wonderfully and amazingly, we uh, had the event July of 2015 and we gave 267 men, women, and children haircuts that day. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, did you have the resources? You're planning on 50, right? We were planning on 50. <laughs> and so, yeah, so we had uh, blocked out a certain period of time, kind of uh, worked out the space, had the barbers and the beauticians, and we just kept on going. Yeah. So we just kept on going as people were lining up to come. And we kept on going until every last person who wanted to have a haircut had been able to receive one. Wow. And the, what was so amazing is that uh, many of these uh, people who now, we kind of know a lot of them, right? Because we do this three, we hold three events every single year in uh, three in the same area. Um, and, well, actually four events, but three in the near the road home shelter in Salt Lake City, yeah. where a lot of the homeless will congregate. And then we, we also, uh, beginning last year, we did one event, we'll do another in December, yeah. uh, that will be for targeting specifically refugee families. So oh. we did one at the Bud Bailey Center, um, uh, and we had about 300 uh, different, uh, I think it was about 200 families, over 300 participants, men, women, and children who are refugees and provide haircuts for them. Um, but there near the road home shelter, we just, we get amazing volunteers who come from the, uh, cosmetology and oh, the, really? yes, esthetician. Oh, so you're, you're we're getting expert, uh, haircutters. Great. I mean, oh, they, hair I school, mean, they people, have to be and licensed. Then, yeah. Um, and so, uh, we have a number of different, um, salons. Uh, uh-huh. over the years and uh, who have helped and just some incredible barbers and incredible beauticians who come and donate their time. And that's sort of a portion of our volunteer staff. So rewinding to that very first event in July, yeah, we had just a great group of barbers and beauticians. We also have volunteers who come and we give them uh, manicures and we have, uh, and we do makeovers for them. Really? So they'll come, they'll get in line. We have volunteers who will wash their hair in big bins, uh, and in warm water. So they all get their hair washed. They get to receive a haircut and then they get a makeover or their nails painted. We have activities for the children each time. And, uh, we will, we've done clothing donations. That tends to be a need that's already met. So we have stopped distributing clothing. We distributed tons of clothing, wow. literally tons. We'll distribute clothing. We have a, a petting zoo that the kids can be part of in oh, activities. Cool. Um, in fact, I just have to say here, we, we have incredible volunteers who yeah. come each time. We now... Uh, July 2017 was our last event, and we gave close to 400 haircuts to the men, women, and children who came. And we'll typically have around 250 volunteers 
who come and help. Oh, that's fantastic. It is. It's amazing. And we attribute the experience that we're able to create to just our incredible volunteers who come event after event. And often um, our, our sign-up list that we'll put online to sign up will literally fill uh, within a day or two. Wow. Um, because those who come and volunteer have this uh, amazing experience of connecting with the homeless on a really personal level that not only changes the homeless person's experience, but also the volunteer's experience, which I think is in part why the CareCuts experience has become, uh, you know, we've been very successful in being able to help target that specific, uh, need. Now, uh, speaking of needs, uh, so why is this more, you know, haircuts and all these things, why are they more than just a nice thing? Yeah, uh, how, how is question. it? How, yeah, how does it help these people? That's a great question. We get asked that sometimes. And, you know, it's amazing to watch the transformation as people come. Yeah. Um, they'll, they'll step into the haircuts area where we've set up to do the haircuts and the manicures and so forth. And you can tell everyone who's homeless, not only because of how they look. I mean, some people obviously haven't had a haircut in a really long time and they look different and their facial expressions are different. Their whole countenance is different, right? They'll come in, they look depressed. They look discouraged. They look downtrodden. And then uh, it's always so amazing. We have people comment on this by the end as they kind of move through our different stations, you start to not be able to tell who's homeless and who isn't. Wow. Um, because not only do they physically look different, but they, uh, emotionally they look different. And so, you know, I remember at our very first event, it's pretty humbling when you meet people who say, I can't remember the last time that I had a haircut. And, and so to have them come and for some of them to be able to experience, um, human touch, right? I mean, you, it's, I get, I feel very tender as I think of people who come and they have their hair washed or they have their hair cut and there's the human touch and connection element as they get to sit somewhere and have someone listen to them for a half an hour, for 45 minutes as they go through the different stations. That's something that you can watch uplifts them and helps them to feel better. And then there's the whole physical change. Yeah. I mean, think about you and getting your hair cut, right? <laughs> or, you know, a beard trimmed or yeah. your makeup done. You just feel better. And when you feel better, you make better decisions, right? When we feel happy, we make better decisions. When you're cold, when you're hungry, when you don't In feel survival mode, yourselves. yeah. Oh, absolutely. Then, you know, it's a lot easier to make dumb decisions, you know? Yeah. And I remember at another one of our events... One of the very first women to get in line um, actually had a job interview the next day. And she was so grateful that she could come in and she could get a haircut that would help her to look more professional. um, That would help her to feel better. And I can't tell you how many times that's happened. As I've watched um, sort of a self-dignity be restored to people. They stand a little bit taller. They look you in the eyes at the end. Their smile is brighter and they're, um, you know, they just, they shake your hand more firmly because you can tell that they're feeling better about themselves. So, you know, the care cuts program, and again, I'm involved, you know, in another program that deals with the long-term issues, but with care cuts, our whole intention is that day, that experience, whatever, time frame that they're with us for them to feel loved for them to feel physically transformed because we know that that's going to transfer into an internal 
feeling better that will help them to make better decisions. And we don't always get to hear the impact of what happens after the events. You know, we just, we see it and we feel it and we experience it. And so do our volunteers. But this last time we received several different messages from um, people who now are familiar with care cuts and had friends or family who were homeless and uh, who reached out. One woman reached out and said that she had been, I can't remember what the agency's name is, but she had been at a a job application center and she'd overheard someone who was there talk about how she had received a haircut the day before near the road home shelter, which was us and how she felt encouraged and it gave her enough resolve to go in. And she said, I'm going to change things around. And so wow. the very next day she went into the job application center and was, um, you know, partnering with that agency. I can't remember the name of it, but you know, stories like that, that, that help us to see how they're tapping into the resolve, getting them the confidence and a little bit of courage to feel good about themselves, to go out and really start tackling some of their big, long-term overwhelming issues yeah. are always rewarding. Wow. Um, share some more stories. Oh, I would absolutely love to. So one of my favorite stories is about um, uh, my friend Juan. Uh, This was a year and a half ago. And at the time, I was overseeing all of our clothing distributions at the event. And we arrive about an hour and a half early. And we have a lot of volunteers who are there. Well, we had one man who um, was homeless. He had been a drug dealer for a very long time. He was now four years clean. I didn't know this at the time, but he came up and said, hey, can I help you guys set up? And I said, sure. And he started volunteering, helping us set up through that whole two-hour period. Now, it was really quite amazing to watch someone who was out in the streets wanting to come and help us set up, you know. And he was saying, hey, it's so neat. We appreciate you guys coming and so forth. And um, Juan uh, helped us set everything up in that clothing area. And then he said, can I do anything more to help throughout you know, the process. And I said, sure, of course. And, um, I put him in charge of kind of directing our line of incoming people. And he knew a lot of the people who were homeless. And so he could help sort of monitor that line for the clothing area. Well, um, probably three quarters of the way into our event, mind you, Juan is homeless or was homeless at the time and could have been going through receiving at the different stations, but wanted to help. And he'd been standing at the front of the the clothing line, directing traffic sort of for this for probably two and a half hours by now. This was an, uh, an October event. So we're right kind of before winter and we were distributing coats as part of this particular event. Um, I watched at this point as one of our volunteers, um, brought up two coats to add to the donation place where we were organizing things and he walked up um to one and he had the volunteer had a nice columbia jacket right so like a really nice coat and he also had a really nice leather jacket so the volunteer came up, gave Juan both the jackets. Juan put the Columbia jacket down. And then I watched Juan pick up the leather jacket and just kind of start looking at it. I was a little bit far away, but I could tell Juan was like looking at it like, oh, maybe I'll keep this jacket. He'd been helping us for probably like four hours now. So I'm like starting to try to make my way through the crowd to say, Juan, keep that jacket, right? Yeah. Like He could have had several of the jackets. I mean, as a homeless patron, but right. let alone, I could tell he was eyeing this well. Um, all of a sudden, another elderly homeless person, sorry, walked up and like I watched in an instant, the homeless, the elderly man looked at the leather jacket and I could tell 
one, he paused, like he was making a decision. He looked at the jacket and then he looked at the elderly man without like skipping a beat. He took the leather jacket and he put it around this elderly man's shoulders, right? Like one was this young kind of hip guy. He would probably, you know, sort of appreciate the leather jacket that was so nice. And the older guy probably wouldn't even, he didn't skip a beat, put it around his shoulders and he directed him through. And I, I was just so touched at his ability to give and one of the things that the homeless have taught me is that it doesn't matter how much you have, you can always give. The homeless that we have served over and over again, so many multiple times, have been some of the most gracious receivers, the most grateful humans I have ever met. And these are men and women who have, who knows what they've been through, right? Like they've been through some really hard things. Some of them have come from backgrounds similar to all of us. And they may not be plugged into a system, whether it's a, you know, a religious organization or group that has a system set up to help. A lot of them are there and they don't have family like many of us do. They don't have, they're not connected to a religious organization that's going to have a system in place to help. And they've, they've had a medical problem they couldn't pay the bills for. And so they, you know, they had a car, their car breakdown and they couldn't make the payments. And so now they're walking. And so you're trying to walk. I, I know one woman who had health and medical issues. She had three girls um, you would look at her normally if she weren't, uh, and, and you wouldn't guess that she would be homeless, right? You've got three kids. I mean, she's a single mom and she had, um, some really severe medical problems started. She couldn't pay for her car when it broke down. She started to have to get up at four 30 every morning to try to, um, ride the bus to get into work. And she couldn't manage both of those. So eventually she fell behind in her apartment payments and temporarily found herself, at the road home shelter, you know, never yeah. thought that she would, you know, I have to, I got to tell one more story. I just, Please. we meet amazing people there. Um, one of our, uh, sponsors has been Harmon's grocery store yeah. and, um, how we got connected with them is, is really touching. And I think illustrates why I feel such compassion towards those who are homeless. Um, the, the manager of the City Creek store for a time was homeless herself. Not the current manager. It was a prior manager. She's no longer there, the woman that I'm speaking of. Yeah, and so when she found out about what we're doing, had said, hey, what can we do to help? And they started donating um, uh, some of the foods that we were able to give at each of our events. And, you know, this is a woman who obviously uh, now is doing really well, right? But earlier in her life had been in a situation in a position where she had been temporarily homeless for a few months and um, just had such great compassion. And this last event, I had another uh, volunteer. She's a beautician. And same thing for for a period of time, she and her family, um, you know, she's uh, not part of the, the predominant religious uh, faith here. And so she wasn't linked in to any kind of network to help, to have help her and had found herself temporarily without a home and had to rely on some of those community resources. And she is just one of the first to sign up at each of our events. You know, it's her way to come and help give back. And I often talk about this, you know, whether we're giving them food, whether we're giving them haircut, whether we're helping them to look and feel better and have that sort of self-dignity for a moment. We tell all of our volunteers, 
This is about the human connection. Look people in the eyes. Be willing to touch them. Be willing to put your arm around them. Be willing to really listen. Learn their name. Use their name when you're talking to them. Because this is about that moment of human connection that for some people they do not receive. So, you know, I love that this woman... She comes and the beautician that I'm talking about, and she, one of her objectives is during that four hour period when she's interacting with the homeless really one-on-one, she'll, she has told me this is to really try to learn their story and to encourage them. Just give them that little bit of encouragement that will help them to go on for one more day. You know I mean? When you're, when you're living under a garbage bag on the streets and you have a drug addiction and you you are in that place where you're willing or not willing, but you're able to connect in with the right resources, right? I mean, those are people who are still hungry, who have their physical needs that need to be met. And, and, you know, we know from a psychological perspective that when you're hungry, when you're cold, when you're not in a safe place, that your, those physical needs aren't being met. You can't really make those good decisions. So, we got to help try to meet some of those needs. And, and that's what Care Cuts is really all about, is trying to just in that one day, that one moment, help people feel that self-dignity, help them to feel a human connection so that they feel loved, so that they feel some hope, so that they feel uplifted, so that hopefully then they can turn around and make some good decisions. Wow. So you've talked about so many things that uh, Care Cuts has done, and I'm, I'm floored. I, that's amazing. Um, so how can people help? I know you have an event coming up. Tell us yeah, how people can be involved. Wonderful. Um, that's a great question. So we have two uh, upcoming events in uh, there for the rest of this year. One that we'd love to have people come and attend uh, is our December service event. Now, this will be uh, primarily for refugee families. Yeah. Um, anyone can visit either our Facebook page. You, it's care dash or hyphen cuts. They can cool. go find our care cuts page or go to our websites, care hyphen or dash cuts.org. So cool. And I'll put those in the show notes so people can just uh, yeah, click on those when they when they're listening to the show so yeah i'll put those links in there if they follow up on that they can um sign up on our volunteer list you have to sign up kind of fast because it fills up it does every time (laughs) and what i love about this is that this is a great thing to do with families i've been bringing um my kids i just have one son home now but we've been doing this for three years or at least and uh, it changes how kids view the world, right? It changes their experience as a teen oh, yeah. when they have an opportunity to come and interact and they see children who are hungry and they see, um, you know, one man pulled my son aside and said, um, do good in school, keep in school. Whatever you do, keep in school. You know, my son's never forgotten that. And yeah. these experiences shape your kids and they're able to go and they're able to serve. So I encourage you to come, bring your family, sign up, come help volunteer. We also have in November, it's November 18th, it's a gala. This will be a very lovely, elegant affair. Um, 
encourage you to come bring a date. This is a great excuse and reason to get dressed up <laughs> and to come and meet people who are involved in homelessness issues. So uh, this uh, gala will be held at the Little America Hotel. Um, you can buy tickets online through our website. Okay. Um, so it's a black tie event. Oh, yeah, uh, it's a fundraiser that helps uh, give us the funds to... Um, buy the things that we need for the upcoming year for our events. Um, This year, the speaker will be the Salt Lake County Mayor, Ben McAdams. Who has been very proactive in uh, homelessness issues. Yes, he actually, um, he uh, went sort of undercover in both on the streets and in the homeless shelter uh, for a day each. And his story is really amazing and so he'll be coming he'll be our keynote speaker um we have a a man who uh, is a professional magician he'll be coming he has for the last four years come and done sort of like a it's like build a bear but we call it it's called build a buddy and he does this all over the state but with all of our homeless we've given out more than 1100 of these toys the homeless get to come and they get to put together their own stuffed animal and it's really an amazing thing but he'll be coming he's doing a professional magician show as part of our gala it'll be wonderful so encourage you to come uh, find out more about both the gala and our last service event and sean i'd love to tell you um i'd love to tell you one more story please if i may and sort of uh kind of two additional ways that people can help whether it's through care cuts or not so um this one particular event we were at, and it's always really fun. We have a DJ who comes each time and plays happy music. It's just an uplifting, upbeat kind of experience. So um, I was helping, in the, again, in the clothing area. I was over that part, and I had a young mom. She had three little kids, and she was in with two of her children in trying to pick out some clothes for her yeah. family. And she had a little girl, probably about a year old, in a stroller. And the, the little girl was, you know, dirty. She wasn't clean. She had, Her face was a little bit sort of tear-stained. She started crying. Right. And she was crying pretty con- unconsolably. And the mom uh, was trying to look at clothes, right? Because everybody had kind of their little window to be pulling out clothes. And the mom was getting frustrated and impatient and um, not happy. Uh, we can all relate to that, right? Yeah. And um, so I went over and I picked up the little girl and was just trying to hold her, kind of hold her in my arms. And she was still crying pretty hard. Another one of the volunteers could see what was happening and went and got a granola bar and a little cup of water. Yeah. And brought it over and I'll never forget because um the volunteer I'm holding the little crying baby and the volunteer lifted up the cup of water and the moment that the water hit the little girl's lips she stopped crying and I realized that this little girl was crying in part because she was thirsty you know and and I held her and she ate the granola bar and she drank the water and she, she stopped crying. And then we took her, we played with her. We were, you know, she, her whole experience changed. But what I learned from that moment was the power that one drop of water can have, you know? Wow. And I, I've often, for me, what I realized in part two was that sometimes we underestimate what we can do to help in this issue. You know, we think it's, it is a big issue and there are a lot of facets to it, but never underestimate what your one drop of water can be in this particular issue. You know, maybe it's some food that you're going to give. Maybe it's one small way that you're going to contribute, but it's going to make a difference because there are 
there are children who are thirsty and we shouldn't have children who are thirsty in our state and in our neighborhoods. doesn't matter the reasons why somebody should or shouldn't do this. We just, kids shouldn't be thirsty. Not here, not in our state, not in Utah. And um, so overall, I encourage people to help in two ways. One, um, be open to helping people with their short-term needs of hunger, of clothing, of, of contributing in this way. And there are great organizations, Soul Food USA, um, that I help and work with that feeds the homeless every single month. Um, we make uh, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. People yeah. bring a jar of peanut butter. They bring a loaf of bread. You bring a jar of jam. You sign up. We'll have about 150 volunteers. We'll make over 1,100 peanut butter jelly wow. sandwiches. <laughs> and we'll give those out near the road home shelter yeah. in about 15, 20 minutes each time. Um, and we put a little sticker on each piece of bread on on each sandwich that says you matter and we've had some amazing experiences bring your families let them have that service experience donate work or not donate I mean you can donate too but come volunteer and work with care cuts it's another great way to have that one-on-one to help meet those short-term needs the second thing I say is call your local uh, food and care coalition call your local homeless shelter or your community action place yeah. call up and say hey how can I help? This is what I do professionally. Are you, uh, are you in finance? Are you an educator? Um, do you give haircuts, right? They're here in our local, uh, community area. They were looking for someone who'd be willing to come in once a month for an hour to help give haircuts. Um, are you a dentist? Um, be willing to maybe donate your time for an hour every month or so to help contribute, to be part of the long-term issues. There are people who help mentor to help people transition, um, to become more self-reliant, right? So this is a way that we can help our communities for people who aren't linked in to, uh, to church or to family connections that will help them. Wow. Well, I think I'm going to go online and sign up for these things before they fill up. <laughs> Sweet. I want um, I, I, I have to. I, I think that, you do. Um, and I'm already like getting in the Christmas spirit just right Good. now in October. Good. Um, uh, the, um, this is fantastic. And I'll make sure the viewers have the same opportunity. I'll give Wonderful. them the links to do that. Um, Leslie Kawhi, thank you so much for uh, uh, enlightening us and talking about these things. Thank you so much for having us on. Thank you to the listeners for caring about these issues and appreciate all you're doing. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to be involved with Care Cuts, visit their website, their Facebook group, or if you're in the Salt Lake area, attend their gala on November 18th. All the links to those events are in the show notes. And if you're liking this podcast, be sure you're subscribed in your podcast app. And if you're already subscribed, leave us a rating. Our music is provided by DD Dumbo. I'm Sean Seavey, and you've been listening to Un Uninformed. Thanks, everybody.